0: This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started.
1: There's a future version of America that politicians have been talking a lot about lately. A country with free college. You might have heard about it at the Democratic debates this week.
2: We need to make structural change.
1: We must make
0: public colleges and universities tuition free. Free college for low- and middle-income students.
2: Make community college free. Free
0: community college. Free public college for our young people.
2: For a small city in southwestern Michigan, that future is already here.
1: 14 years ago, the city of Kalamazoo started an ambitious one-of-a-kind project, free college for all of its public school students.
2: And now, more than a decade after it began, we can see what happens to students and a community when you give away college for free. Welcome to The Journal our new podcast about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Limar,
3: And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, June 28th. Kalamazoo, it's two hours west of Detroit um, and about an hour and a half east of Chicago. So it's very quaint. It's very charming. You know, it has a main street where you can sort of walk on this brick road.
1: Our colleague, Josh Mitchell, covers the economy and higher education. He just
3: published a story about
1: this free college program.
3: Callum, was in a downward spiral uh, in the early 2000s. The population was going downward. There were a lot of families that were leaving the schools.
1: Why were people leaving?
3: One of the things that was happening was, you know, a lot of employers that used to provide a lot of jobs um, had either downsized or closed shop you know, as the economy became more global in the 1990s, uh, cities like Kalamazoo were hit pretty hard by that process. And so a lot of jobs had just left the city and the state. And so um, with fewer jobs, you had families moving out. Then the schools started to lose population. There were actually big concerns that the city would have to file for bankruptcy. A group of wealthy people who lived there, they met with the superintendent and they insisted on not being named. And they said, we need to do something. Um, we need to do something to reverse this downward spiral that we're in. You know, we want to do something and we want to have an impact on the children here. And um, we think the best way to do that is through education. So they decided that they would do a free college program, that that they would just say, look, we're going to pay for everyone who graduates from the city school system to go to college for free.
1: So this conversation happens in secret. This mm-hmm. decision is made. They decide to move forward. Yep. Tell me about what happens when the town ultimately finds out about
3: this. What was their reaction? So the superintendent, she basically said, we're having our standard school board meeting in November 2005. I'm going to make an announcement. Very subtle. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't even think a lot of people expected the announcement to be big.
1: People thought it just might be like, you know, a new cafeteria or something. Ex- yeah,
3: exactly. And the ma- and she told the mayor to show up. but Like, even the mayor did not know.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
3: Yeah. And she makes this announcement, and people were shocked. Some people had tears in their eyes and were just absolutely taken aback. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: That from a city leader and a former Kalamazoo Public School graduate. And from those who are students now, this announcement brought them to tears.
1: Now I don't have to worry and I can just put my application where I want.
3: I talked to other, you know, people who lived there at the time. who still lived there. It was like, oh my God, they they felt like this was going to have this dramatic effect and all these knockoff effects, because not only can you help the residents who are currently living there pay for college, um, which is one of the, you know, biggest costs that any household is going to experience at any point of their life. But not only that, but then you can attract more people back into the city itself. Yeah, it's an enormous
1: incentive to move to the city. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to get free college for your children. And not only were they getting free college for all of the students, it was also coming from donors. So it wasn't like it was going to burden the government. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me a bit about the program's mechanics? Like, how does it work exactly?
3: So it's called the Kalamazoo Promise Program. If you start in kindergarten in the Kalamazoo public school system and you go continuously and then you graduate high school, you get 100% of your tuition covered at any state college. Um, So like any state school or community college or? This is Kalamazoo Valley Community College. It's also Michigan State. It's also University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. The subsidy goes down by five percentage points for each later year that you enroll in the system. So if you enroll in first grade, for example, it's 95% subsidy. So when did it first kick in? What was the first year of students that got it? It took effect in 2006. This program, the Kalamazoo Promise Program, has been in place for 14 years, and we're now just starting to see the effects that the program has had. So what are the effects? Here's the thing about this program. It created such a good natural experiment. This is like uh, a researcher's dream. This nonprofit called the Upjohn Institute got a hold of all of this data on the students. What do the studies say? So the first thing that happened was this surge in enrollment. The authors, they took into account all of these different characteristics, including what the state of the economy was in 2005 versus, say, 2010. And what they determined is that the effect of the Kalamazoo program on enrollment was actually pretty evenly distributed among racial groups and among low-income groups. So in other words,
1: everybody was going to college more as a result of this, not one particular group?
3: Yes, yes, exactly. That being said, you still on average had whites and upper-income students not just going to college in bigger numbers, but also going to four-year colleges far more frequently than low-income students or black students, for example. Um, And so white students, upper-income students are getting most of the subsidies here, are getting far more subsidies than the average black student and the average lower-income student. Also, one of the effects it had was, if you were a white student who was going to go to college anyhow, Now you were not going to the public regional four-year university. You were actually going to the prestigious state college, University of Michigan.
1: So enrollment is up across all student demographics. But what happens when these kids actually get to school?
3: This was where people's eyes started to open up. Up until this point, there was all this hope. When the enrollment numbers were up, there was even more hope. It was like, wow, it's working. But then all of a sudden a lot of these students dropped out and they dropped out pretty quickly. Actually, most of them dropped out pretty quickly, more than half.
1: So if more than half of the students were dropping
3: out, what effect did that have on graduation rates? They do actually see a pretty significant increase in college enrollment and in college completion. Mm -hmm. But you have to kind of divide it by different groups You had sort of the the white, upper-income students who are now going to more prestigious schools. Then you have this other group of these marginal students, a lot of them who would not have gone to college in the first place. All of a sudden, they're now in a college environment. And for a variety of reasons, they did not make it. The upshot is is that free college did not guarantee them success here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really complicated because there are a lot of reasons why people might drop out of school. I mean, it's not just about the cost of tuition.
3: So this this is a city that's dealing with um, you know a lot of a lot of issues when it comes to race and income. So homelessness, for example, is a very big problem. Um, so the administrators of this of the Kalamazoo Promise program really started to say, okay, there's there's more going on here, and free tuition is not going to solve all these problems. Because free college really just
1: encouraged them to maybe say, okay, I'll do this thing that
3: I wouldn't have done otherwise. Right. I was in this coffee shop, and 15 feet away is this young 19-year-old woman who's working behind the counter serving coffee. And it turns out she was in the Promise program. Um, She graduated high school last year. She qualified for a tuition subsidy. She was a marginal student in high school. She got a 2.0 or around there. And she's one of the students that probably would not have gone to college or it was very questionable whether she would have gone to college um, without this program. With this program, she decided to go into college and she dropped out within two or three months. Oh, wow. um, she said she felt aimless. She said she just did not know what she wanted to study. She said she, the only reason why she went is because everyone in the Kalamazoo public school system and her family said, you have to go to college, you have to go to college. And she, these were her words. She said, they said, go to college. They did not tell me what for. Uh They just said, go. And she said, when I was in college, I didn't know why I was there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's something that you hear from a lot of students actually is this pressure of, you got to go to college, but you don't really know why. And so then, you know, you go to school and then you drop out because you don't feel like you know
3: exactly what you're doing. Oh yeah. They kind of came to this epiphany that free tuition isn't going to guarantee their success so one of the things that they've done to respond to students who are dropping out of the local community college, the foundation, the Kalamazoo Promise Program, said, wait a minute, we're spending all of this money that we're giving to Michigan State, for example, to help white upper-income families for tuition subsidies. Meanwhile, the people that really need the help the most— are only getting several thousand dollars and dropping out. How do we address this? So they actually gave um, an infusion of money to the community college so that they can hire counselors who could track these students throughout the semester. So we actually talked to one of the counselors when we went there. Uh And what did the counselor say? You know, she said that she deals with a lot of students who are going through their own personal crises. And um, they are taking care of family members, um, they're taking care of parents, they're taking care of siblings. And if you're in that environment um, and you're at community college, some of them, not all of them ultimately say, you know, I, I, I need to work right now. I need to get a job. I'm going to drop out of college. So,
1: I mean, obviously this program is not a panacea for all of a city's problems. But importantly, I mean, and this is one of the things that's that's I find so interesting about this story is that the barista who said that she had gone to college for the first year but then dropped out after a couple of months. Yes, she dropped out, but unlike students across America who drop out, she doesn't have any student
3: debt. Right. So this is one of the most interesting things about free college. And as someone who covers student debt, I've come to think of this as one of the biggest problems, which is that... Our policy as a society has been to give students like this student, who we know is at a very high risk of dropping out, we, we we just give them debt. And the numbers show that they're very likely to default on their student loans. Not only does it become a financial burden in and of itself, I think it becomes a psychological burden.
1: Yeah. Well, and it also, it turns college into like this gamble. Because if you go and you succeed, then it's great. But if you go and you fail, then not only do you fail, but you also leave college with all this debt
3: yeah 30 or 40 years ago when student debt wasn't nearly as big of a thing or um wasn't something that as many poor and middle-income households were taking on yeah you would you would fail out of college or drop out and okay you were able to kind of move on um now it has become a gamble for those students for the average college graduate, it is a great investment. But for those who are leaving with debt but are not getting the degree that leads to that boost in earnings, it's actually become an albatross. And so, in some ways, um, you know, higher education and the student debt system, you know, a, a lot of people would say, is actually increasing inequality, not decreasing inequality. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the great equalizer. It's actually, you know, driving a wedge between the have and have-nots.
1: So. Tell me about how that affected Kalamazoo. So suddenly there's all these students that go to college and then a lot of them are dropping out. How did
3: that affect the town? You know, there's been this broader revitalization of Kalamazoo itself. There is a a big question about how much the Promise program has had on, on the city itself. But when I was in Kalamazoo, I wanted to get a glass of wine. So I sat down at the counter and I'm drinking a glass of wine and the man behind the bar mentioned that he was a, a promise program recipient, but that he dropped out. And then he and his wife, they opened this wine bar. And it's interesting because um, I think there are several things going on here. One is that he didn't have student mm-hmm. debt. There is this concern about you know, whether student debt is inhibiting people from um, creating small businesses and what effect is that having on the mm-hmm. economy. He certainly was not inhibited by his student debt because he didn't have any. Um, Number two, I think it's pretty clear that coinciding with this Promise program, you had um, an immediate increase in the school population because a lot of families started to move back in. You had small businesses that were created. You had builders, home builders that had been avoiding building in this city who were now coming back and building in the city. These wine bar owners um, said that they they felt, you know, really tied to the community itself and they are are partaking in the redevelopment of the city.
1: Yeah. So can we credit the program directly for Kalamazoo's redevelopment?
3: So the research itself doesn't have a hard answer to how much the program influenced the city's trajectory. What I can tell you is that within a year of the program going into place, 1,000 families moved their children to the city, um, and it's pretty clear it was because of the Promise Program. If you look at a chart of the trajectory of the school population, it does a U-shape. the the population was declining, um, you know, in the early 2000s. And and right in 2005, it turns around and it goes up. And if you look at a neighboring city, they've had sort of the same problem with the school population, but their school population never recovered. Uh Look, I think the anecdotal evidence is pretty clear that it certainly hasn't hurt the redevelopment of the city. And I think it's pretty, you know, I would say as the reporter who was out there, it's had some type of positive effect. It's just a question of how much.
1: Yeah, What do you think the takeaway is for the national debate where particularly among Democratic presidential candidates, there's a lot of talk of free college tuition or debt forgiveness. What do you think the lessons are from this Kalamazoo project, which in some ways has sort of been living in the future that all of these presidential candidates are describing?
3: Right. So I think, number one, it's important to identify what the problem is that we want to solve. And so if you want to relieve financial burdens on families, and also if you do want to increase college enrollment, free college will do that. If the problem is solving a lot of these social disparities, free college is only going to do so much. And in fact, it, it might not do nearly as much as people think. Have other cities copied this? So other cities are trying this. Some of them are trying to do exactly what Kalamazoo is doing, but a lot of them are doing, um, you know, only two years and it's not, you know, quite as good of a deal for students as, as you might think.
1: What do you think would happen if, if the United States tried to do this across the country?
3: Well, we would first have to decide what free college is. One of the first questions that um, society or voters would have to answer, what does free college mean to them and how much are they willing to spend for it? So, for example, if you look at the University of Alabama, this is a state school, but it has a 100,000-seat football stadium, it has a lazy river on campus, it has really nice lunch area where, you know, on certain days of the week, you can get steak cooked to your liking. So is that what we mean by free college? And how much is that going to cost? Are taxpayers willing to provide that level of educational experience, this disney experience, and pay for that? Or will it be a more streamlined, drab, nuts and bolts educational experience? A lot of universities in Europe, for example, you know, don't have this Disneyfied experience that you find here.
1: What are the donors in Kalamazoo, or I guess since they haven't spoken, what do you think the donors in Kalamazoo are thinking about this? Because their definition of free college has just been what the state schools are providing, which runs the gamut from relatively affordable community colleges to a much more kind of traditional but expensive experience at places like the University of Michigan or Michigan
3: State. They basically wrote an open check. There's no real negotiation with the schools about what tuition should be. Um, They're paying the full sticker price. So far, they've spent $124 million covering college tuition for more than 5,700 students. If you just give schools a blank check, they'll just spend it and they'll just raise their prices. And so one of the big questions when when we look at free college is how do you contain some of these costs? So when a lot of politicians talk about free college, they'll have to at some point explain what the oversight is um, or how do you ensure that you're not throwing money down the drain. overarching message that we got when talking with people in the city of Kalamazoo was that um, they had really high hopes. They now have a much more modest outlook on, on what free college can achieve and what it can't.
1: We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back. I'm Kate Linebaugh. Over the course of two nights this week, 20 Democratic candidates running for president took stage for the first debates of the 2020 election. And from those debates, two camps in the Democratic Party emerged, progressives and centrists. Jerry Seib is our executive Washington editor. He says if you look at this massive field of candidates, there are some similarities to the Republican primary in the 2016 presidential election. Back then, in the Republican Party, there were also two camps, conservatives and centrists.
0: What Donald Trump did is he rode in and basically blew it all away by changing the entire party into something completely different, into a populist nationalist party. He kind of blew past the ideological divide and simply changed the terms of the party's belief system. And did
2: we see Trump doing that in the Republican primary debates?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there were there were sixteen candidates, seventeen, depending on how you count them, at the beginning of the process. And the debate stage then was very large, as it was for the Democrats this week. And you could see this policy debate playing out during the course of those debates. But Trump would basically wave his hand and say, "I'm not worrying about all of that." build a wall, and stop the trade agreements that are killing us. And most of what he said beyond that was about attitude, about being anti-establishment and straining the swamp in Washington. And so what you had was people voting for Donald Trump, not because of his ideology, because he didn't really have a very clear one, but because of his attitude. And his attitude was a populist nationalist attitude. And he just rose above the policy debate.
2: Will a Democratic candidate be able to do that this time around? Like, rise above the Democrats' policy debate and make it about personality?
0: I think it's going to be much more difficult for Democrats to sort of skirt around these policy differences because activists in the Democratic Party believe that the party needs to stand clearly for new and bold ideas, and that's the way to beat Donald Trump. And if we believe in a Medicare for All health program, we're going to say it and we're going to demand the candidate of the Democratic Party stand up for that. Did
2: these debates change how you think about the Democratic field at all?
0: Well, One of the other questions people wondered about heading into the debates was who is going to emerge as the fourth person to stand at the same level with the same prominence as the big three, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Who's going to emerge as that fourth person on the top tier? And I think everybody today agrees that person was Kamala Harris. She emerged.
2: Okay, so that's the top tier. But there are still so many candidates. When are we going to start to see the field thin?
0: I think it starts to thin in the fall. It's not going to thin this summer. There's another summer debate. There's a third debate in September. Uh, I think that's when it'll start to thin because you will run out of money and you will just have to quit. That process takes a couple more months. People will have to go away eventually, but not
1: yet. That's all for today, Friday, June 28th. Special thanks to Michelle Hackman for her additional reporting on Kalamazoo.
2: The Journal is a co production of Gimlet Media and The Wall Street Journal. Our show is hosted by Ryan Knudsen and me, Kate Linebaugh. Our producers are Ricky Nowetski, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, and Annie Rose Strasser. Our engineer is Griffin Tanner. Gerard Cole is our executive producer. Our amazing theme song is by Haley Shaw. Additional music this week by Bobby Lord and Blue Dot Sessions. And special thanks to Wood TV. We'll see you on Wednesday.